Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Podcasting Power Hour with your host, Jeff Townsend, a.k.a. the Indie Podcast Father. I'm your co-host, Greg, from Indie Drop-In Network. Podcasting Power Hour is recorded live every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitter Spaces. Every week, an experienced panel of podcasters and other experts will tackle your podcasting questions. We will, of course, put links to all of our guests and any relevant information in the show notes. All right, let's get this party started. Welcome to Podcasting Power Hour. It's the 17th of October. Holy shit, time's flying, man. Each Monday's better than the next. Greg, man, oh, tonight's a big one, right? Yeah, uh, we've disproven that time flies when you're having fun. It also flies when you're not. Mm. And just to be completely honest, we are going to really, I don't know, if you have anything you want to talk about podcasting-wise, please come up here and speak, because we don't necessarily have a huge topic this week, but more or less would like to have at least one time of the month where we're, you know, a little bit more open discussion and then try to structure things. So with that being said... I'm Jeff Townsend. My co-host is Greg. He only has one name. He's like Prince. He's like, well, I guess Gandhi had more than one, but all you need to know is he's Greg. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Podcasting Power Hour. Uh, I'm Greg. I created Indie Drop-In Network, so if you want to check that out, you can click the profile. I'm just going to get all my plugs in now because I suspect people are going to be dropping off like crazy. And that's all his plugs. All right, Jim Mallard, he has a controversial yet controversial podcast about anything the last decade. Jim, what's going on? Conversational yet controversial. Yeah, same thing. <clears throat> not quite, but... Little known uh, fact. What's going on? Not a lot. Yeah, little known fact about Jim, Jeff. I can squeeze this in. He coined the phrase, just duck it. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm the one that convinced a- uh, Apple to change. Well, anyways, the duck. Yeah. Neil Head Neil Headley. I have a feeling you're going to be put on the spot today. So thank yeah. you for joining us, man. I have that sense too, but that's okay. I had it coming. Uh, uh, rapidly uh, inheriting the throne as the grumpy old man of podcasting. Uh, although this is my absolute favorite time of year. You get into the middle of October and Walgreens has started taking down the Christmas decorations to make room for the Valentine's Day stuff. It's really, it's, it's heartwarming. It really is. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Plug in the sound. Okay, we'll go ahead and get going. Did uh, everybody see the... I mean, it's no secret, I don't think, at this point in time, just to kick things off here. The news that TikTok is preparing to launch an actual podcast app. You see this, Greg? Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess it's speculation. I heard it on Pod News. Was it today or this yeah. morning? And I guess they're seeing the uh, the user, the TikTok user agent crawling, um, you know, crawling feeds, which I thought it was pretty interesting, the sleuthing that they do, because they actually... Um, uh, kind of follow it back to the the BGP ASIN number, which is which is the network number um, that I guess the TikTok servers are using. Which you know, I mean, I guess that's are reporting work. Saying they're acasting me? Are they acasting me, Greg? No, no. I think they're probably just uh, you know they're probably just collecting data. Who knows to do what with? Maybe they're just. They could just be collecting data for all you know. Maybe they're not going to do anything with it. Why is it significant? Well, I mean, just reading the article, which we've already plugged for Pod News, over a billion monthly users and over 138 million active U.S. users. So that's pretty big. And we recently they registered a trademark for TikTok music. Uh, I assume that's how it would tie in. Obviously, none of that's officially known yet, but. That's my guess. I, I think that makes a lot of sense because they already have music contracts, right? They already know all the people. They already pay royalties to to uh, labels and musicians, and and uh, you know. So, I mean, if you know the people and you know the math, the business yeah. math, and they have they have a channel on Sirius XM that plays the same seven songs. There you go. Is that is that internet radio, Jim? I'm just not no, familiar no, with it's, these it's, alternate it's, channels. It's satellite radio that really never went anywhere. <laughs> I know, man. I'm just <laughs> with you. Well, I just had to say, I just had to drive that one out there too. And is this going to be like Facebook and podcasts? Like they then they get in it and then get back out of it before the that was so getting in it. That was so fast. One you year. know, yeah, Facebook. Facebook is so weird because you know, pages don't do anything either. So why you would connect, uh, you know, podcasting to pages just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, well, pages used to do stuff and then they realized they could make money and then it was all over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I really love Facebook groups, but Facebook for anything else just doesn't, uh, I like Facebook ads less so than I did, you know, years ago. But, um, you know, I just, uh, I like Facebook groups, though. I think groups are are still pretty effective. Yeah, my grandma loves them too, Greg. But oh, I know that's how I know her. Yep, exactly. So no, I'm not. I mean, I'm not surprised, and I guess I don't have a whole lot to say on that. I just I'm curious, I guess, to see uh, what happens with it. I don't know if it's going to be kind of like an Amazon Music. That's what I uh, where you have the music and that there. I don't know. Just an assumption. Yeah, Amazon Music's doing a big push. Yeah, uh, into podcasting. So I know a couple of 
few podcasters that have deals cooking with them, me included. So we're going to do some, we're going to do some cool stuff. You are cool, Greg. You are cool. So, uh, Greg, we talked about earlier putting, uh, well, he doesn't know it, but we just had a conversation, I don't know, half an hour ago, putting Neil on the spot. Just kick things off here. Yeah. I mean, what I like to do is, um, you know, kind of a plan that I had that I cultivated last week with Jeff is to try to uh, highlight some of our, uh, you know, reoccurring speakers, our panelists. So last week, you know, we had Fuzz come in and talk about PR. So um, like how Neil prefers, I thought I would tell him nothing about this, send him no questions whatsoever and just put him on the spot. I'm, here I am, ready to be spotted. <laughs> See, the problem is, is you're a professional. <laughs> That's the issue. You can't stump the professional. But uh, no, Neil, on Twitter, you had a great question, actually. And, you know, I poked a little fun at it because that's just what we do on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But um, A lot of poking, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, poking. The uh, But... <laughs> But so what's, give us, give us your recommendations on how to properly set up a guest in your opinion. And then we'll, then we'll kind of collect everyone else's thoughts. The, the truthful answer to that is going to sound weaselly because there is no best way that works for every guest. It's going to depend on the level of expertise of your guest. If, for example, if you are, and, and I think the, the exchange that you're talking about from Twitter earlier was when I uh, repeated a claim I've made about 5,000 times before, which is uh, it's probably not the best idea to have your second question ready to go until you've heard the answer to the first question when you're doing a guest interview. And I mean, that comes from um, you know, 40 years of radio and television, probably somewhere between 15 and 20,000 interviews um, and, and just my experience in streamlining the things that I know now versus in 1981 when I first started and did my first interview. So for example, if you're interviewing the president of the United States, well, you're not going to get that interview unless they get an advanced list of questions and some bumpers are set up along the way. That's, you know, here's how far you can veer off in this direction. And here's how far you can veer off in that direction. Um, and you can take gambles if you want to, once the cameras are rolling, because I guarantee you, George Stephanopoulos did not tell Joe Biden in advance that he was going to ask if Vladimir Putin is a killer. I guarantee you that blindsided the white house. They did not see that coming, but most of those, super high profile guests like that, you're probably going to need to give them a roadmap for where it's going so that they are ready for the gotchas that might come creeping in. But if you're doing an interview with, you know, Bob that does the star Wars podcast, um, and please don't get me wrong. I I wish I had a star Wars podcast at this point. Um, I don't know that Bob needs your advanced list of questions. In fact, my favorite interviews are the ones where it's just the thing I always taught my broadcasting students was an interview is just a conversation that is so compelling. You can't help but eavesdrop on it. And think of the number of times you've walked into a cocktail party. Remember when we used to have cocktail parties and there would be those ridiculously compelling conversations happening all over the room. Well, nobody had a pre-selected list of questions for those conversations. They were just genuine people who were genuinely interested in what each other had to say. And there was a genuine give and take there. I've seen so many scenarios, especially where people are interviewing, for example, rock bands. 
where they'll say, so tell me about uh, the, and, and again, this is in the hands of an amateur interviewer. They'll have their list of questions and question one will be, tell me about uh, the recording sessions for this latest album. And the lead singer will say, well, uh, we decided early on in the production that we were going to record the entire album in the nude. And that's what we did. And it goes back to the interviewer who says, okay, that's great. Uh, tell me about your musical influences. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you don't have, if you stick to your list of questions, um, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster at that point, because you're going to at some point get welded to the list and you're going to forget to just actually have a conversation. I, I will throw in this one quick last story um, as an example of exactly what I'm talking about, and then I'll get out of the way and let somebody else talk about it. Um, I don't know, it was about five years ago. I had an interview with Brian Adams, the singer, um, and Brian with a B. And uh, we were doing it, simulcasting it on radio and on live television at the same time. So Brian comes in, and I didn't know this at the time, but Brian was uh, Brian was having a rough morning. And so Brian uh, came in and he was there to promote his brand new album called The Tracks of My Years, which is the music that Brian was listening to when he was a kid and deciding that he wanted to become a rock star. These were the songs that really grabbed him and made him want to be a singer. Brian's having a rough day. So I'm sitting there on live television with him and I'm trying to talk to him about the new record. And he's literally sitting with his arms folded across his chest, leaned back in the chair like he had smelled a bad fart um, and really wasn't into the conversation. And in my head, I'm, I'm going through the list of questions that the producers had put into the teleprompter uh, because it was television. And I, really quickly, I'm looking at the list and I'm going, okay, this is not working. He's not into talking about this album today because this is probably his 150th interview about this record and he's tired of talking about it. So we took a commercial break. We come back from the commercial and I start asking him about the picture that's on the album cover. Who took the picture? And suddenly, out of the blue, because I had done my prep and knew everything there was to know about Brian Adams, I could go back and I could go, okay, Brian Adams also loves talking about his career as a photographer. So he doesn't want to talk about the record. Let's talk about photography. And I start asking him a million unprepared questions about photography. Suddenly, it's a whole different Brian Adams. Suddenly his arms unfold. He's leaning across. He's leaning over toward me with his hands, his elbows resting on his knees. And he's suddenly re-engaged because it's not something he's exhausted and tired of talking about. But if I had just stuck to my list of questions and had depended on my list of questions to be the basis for the interview, I wouldn't have gone down the whole photography road. The thing where I got lucky was my version of interview prep is if you've got a guest sitting there, learn everything you can possibly learn that there is to know about them without having gone through their recycling bin. And know everything just off the top of your head so you can pull those things out and then have a rough idea of where you want to go, but have done enough prep that you can pivot 16 different ways if it starts to go sideways. That's all I got. No, Neil, I love that because a lot of times people will spend a lot of the prep work actually prepping out questions. And I, I don't, that's not my style at all. I would, I spend my time 
like you said, researching on the individual, then I kind of let the conversation take place. Like I have a roadmap of where I want it to go. Obviously I'm able to keep it on track, but I feel like it's better to prepare my time actually researching that part of it more than uh, I'm going to, I'm going to script out every single question I'm going to ask this person. And the reason is because depending on an answer, it might segue to something else. You know what I mean? Or yeah, like I said, depending on a, the vibe you're getting. Yeah, that's absolutely where you can take it. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with coming up with a list of questions. The, 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 the art of the list of questions is in knowing when to detach yourself from it and crumple it up and throw it away and go, this is not going to work anymore for this conversation. And if you really do frame it in your head as the only thing an interview is, is a conversation that's worth eavesdropping on, it completely changes the, the dynamic of it. You know, you may need to ask some of the basic stuff that you already know because not everybody that's listening to the interview has done the same amount of prep that you have. If I'm going to sit down with Mark Hamill on my Star Wars podcast, um, maybe there are people who, who don't know a whole ton about you know, Mark Hamill and maybe his career before Star Wars or wherever it is you want to go with it. And so you need to bring those people to the party because the other thing you've got to remember is that not everybody is necessarily obsessed with the subject matter and you still got to make the conversation accessible and interesting to those people as well. I said on, uh, on a thing of Dave Jackson's, um, on, on, um, on uh, the ask the podcast coach one episode he said um what what's the best interview question and i said the, the only interview question i ever prep is the first one i come up with a killer first question and as long as my first question was good enough then the rest of the interview will be just fine love that what do you think greg yeah i think that that's 40 years of broadcasting professionalism hard at work. I mean, as you can tell from these, you know, spaces, I need a lot more help than that. Like when I do interviews, I always have to ha try to have my kind of my, my story, my plot, my, you know, the arc of the conversation just kind of mapped out. I try to send the plan over to the person who I'm interviewing just so that we both know what the plan is and, and that wouldn't work for like a Mark Hamill cause they would never get, he would never get the plan. Right. So it would be up to me to, to work with, you know, his PR person to make sure that, you know, I'm not stepping on any weird topics or anything like that, but you're right with that. Like you're talking to Brian Adams, he, he's just going to come in and you're going to have to, to do all the work. But if, if you're talking to another podcaster or somebody um, like a scientist or something like that, they are likely as nervous as you are. So I just feel like if I come together with a meeting of the minds that we're both a little more chill. Now you're absolutely right about the second question though. Like I, I have all my notes from all the interviews that I've done from my previous shows and the amount of times I got to question two if I got to question two, the interview wasn't going well. See, and you can do that though, because you're an interesting person. And so if you're an interesting person that's talking to another interesting person, then chances are that conversation is going to be worth listening to. I mean, you, you bring up scientists. I was 
you know, before I decided to shift it over to video and I had to abandon it because the workload became onerous, I had a podcast where I was talking to scientists every week. Um, it was a sleep podcast called The Snooze Button. And every week it was sleep researchers from all over the world, some of them who didn't even speak the greatest English. And in terms of whether or not they were nervous and needed to know what the roadmap was, I always went through exactly the same steps with every single one of those guests because they weren't professional broadcasters. They weren't professional interview guests. And so my my prep in advance with them always included a line along the lines of, listen, you worry about sounding like a sleep researcher and a person who knows a lot about sleep. You worry about, you leave the worrying about sounding like a professional and sounding like an announcer and sounding like all that. You, you let me worry about that. You, you focus on sounding like you know your stuff and then everything else will be fine. And I tell you, almost everybody I ever had that conversation with, you know, from, from the, the guitar tech of the smallest indie band to the stars of the biggest shows on Broadway, if they weren't used to doing interviews, that conversation, that part of it where you just went, no, no, let me worry about the sounding like a professional part. You take care of sounding like you and I'll do the rest. For so many of them, they came to me and they went, you know what, that completely took all the pressure off of me and I could just relax and, and be me. But sometimes people need to be reminded that before you start. How much? Okay, so I'll just go around the room and ask because I know Jim interviews people well, really every week. So we'll let you answer the first question here. How much do you think is a reasonable amount or respectful amount of prep work to send over to the person? You know, like an outline, like we're talking about now. What is the appropriate amount? Should it be something? Should it be nothing? Is there is, is a certain respect factor in it? We'll kick it off with you, Jim Mallard. Uh, yeah, you have to do some out, outlining. I don't like to write out the questions, so I, I prefer just to kind of put the talking points down and let it flow, and sometimes even those don't get brought up. But uh, average rule of thumb is I like to put two hours in before uh, talking to anybody. That way I kind of know who they are. I don't listen to old interviews they've done. I might listen to a couple clips just to kind of get their pace and pattern down if I haven't heard them before. That way you're not, you know, because some people take that big, long, pregnant pause mid-thought and you start to ask a question and they weren't done with their answer and you, you kind of feel like you're jumping them all the time. And then some people are really short, so you need to be more ready to go. And some people will talk for 10 minutes and you kind of just got to kind of scribble out something so you don't forget the thought you wanted to circle back to when they come back nine minutes later and you go, I'm done now. Let me, you know, and then you're like, I want to, I want to circle the whole way back to the beginning of that answer because you said something really interesting. So it really all depends on the guest, but the key of interviewing, in my opinion, tell me if I'm wrong, anybody out there, is actively listening to what your person's saying and not necessarily worrying about what your next question is or what where you need to go. Because if you listen, it'll take care of itself. If I can piggyback off of what Jim said, uh, first of all, the second point you made was absolutely correct. You, you're you're, you're going to steer off into the ditch really fast if you're not hanging on every word that they're saying um, and you're instead thinking about what's my next question going to be. Um, but one of the earlier things you said about watching or listening to old interview clips, very quick story about how that can serve you well. I don't know how many people in the room uh, used to watch the show 24 uh, but the last two seasons of 24, they gave uh, the main character, Jack Bauer, a girlfriend. 
Um, and his girlfriend was played by a woman named Annie Wershing, who the Star Trek fans will also know as the Borg Queen from the last season of Picard. Um, her character got killed off um, toward the end of the, of, of the second season that she was on. And while Annie Wershing was on, because 24 was such a big deal at the time, all the media was talking about Jack Bauer's got a girlfriend, Jack Bauer's got a girlfriend, Jack Bauer's got a girlfriend. And so she was on Good Morning America. She was on the CBS morning show. She was on every television morning show. She was doing a million radio interviews. And here's the thing. Everybody got the bio from Annie Wershing. And everybody seized on the fact that when she was a child, Annie Wershing used to be a competitive Irish step dancer. And so every television morning show and every radio show in North America was asking Annie Wershing about Irish step dancing. Um, it comes time to do my show and I'm doing a show in, in DC and I pick up the phone and I said to her, the very first words out of my mouth, I said, I promise you at no point in this conversation are the words Irish step dancing going to come out of my mouth. And she laughed and she said, well, if you can pull that off, I will be very grateful. And so we get to the end of the conversation. We hadn't talked about it. Annie Wershing jumps on Twitter and tags me and thanks me for being the first person she'd talked to in ages who actually bothered to do interview prep and could uh, pull stuff out for an interview that wasn't in the stuff that her PR people sent over. Um, if, and so the only way that I knew not to ask her about Irish step dancing is because in my prep, I watched all the interviews she'd been doing and I'm watching her face and I'm going, oh my God, she's so obviously tired of this topic. Yeah, they almost go into robot mode if you're not, if you're not careful as well. Uh, Jim, go ahead. No, I'd like to follow up with the other end of that story. Now, I, I kind of stepped in it one time, kind of intentionally though, um, in that same vein, I had the late, great Jim Marsland, investigative journalist, the author of Crossfire about J uh, John F. Kennedy, all that fun stuff. And um, I started the show. Now, this is not where you want to start the show with him. We became fast friends after this. It kind of made us both laugh. I asked him, what's the one question you're tired of being asked? And he, went, he mentioned um, the, the Crossfire book and the conspiracy about Kennedy. And I said, well, I guess I'm throwing these, this first sheet of notes out because that was what I was going to ask you. And we kind of both chuckled and moved on. And we, like I said, became fast friends after that because I kind of knew that I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it either, but I just played it off. But it was kind of, it was awkward. It made, made for some fun. Though. So you got to be ready to bounce though. If you, if you weren't, what was it? You I had lawyers once. It, it, don't ask a question you're not prepared to answer for the answer for. So keep that in mind too. You cut out there, but I heard the end. I love that quote. And I asked you, Jim, what is it you stepped in? You want me to say shit, Jeff? You want me to say shit? Fucking shit? What do you want me to say? How much work do you make for Greg? Jeez. Bullshit? Well done. Bullshit? Come on, man. Thank, thank Tone you. Tone it down. Gosh, PG-13. You know, Jeff, there was a... I, I had a segment on my my first show, uh, Fan Dummies, where I would have people on to talk about their hobbies and they would be able to plug whatever it was that they were, you know, like if it was authors or actors or, or whatever, like, you know, maybe they wouldn't even be in like a Star Trek show, but they were a Trekkie. Right. So I'd have them on, let's say a good, a good example is of this is J.N. Cheney. You know, he's written about a hundred science fiction books, pretty, pretty big name. And he's a super big fan of anime 
And I wanted to get him on the show. So I started doing some show prep just so I could pitch him properly. And I said, Hey, we're going to have, we're going to do a show on my hero academia. I, I see that you, you know, have a bunch of my hero stuff on your desk and, you know, you want to come on the show and talk about it. And then, you know, you can plug whatever it is you want to plug. And, uh, it was one of our best shows and we did about 10 of those episodes and they were, they were a fan favorite, but it's so hard to prep and find those people that, you know, we just couldn't do a lot of them, but I thought it was a really interesting concept that I haven't really heard from anyone else. I'm sure people do it, but I haven't run across it. Yeah, that is. Okay. Yeah. No, I, that's never, I can understand why they'd say that. I don't think I've come across that either, but Greg, how, so what about with this latest round when you're talking to, then I'll get to Ed from the greatest song ever sung poorly. Then we'll get to Matt from Jack Ingram. Uh, what, style do you use do you i mean you have to change it up depending on who you're talking to right like like podcasters i don't necessarily talk to them like or ask them or interview them the same way i'm doing it with this indiana stories with local people and communities and and stuff like that i mean i think it's different for me i don't go into every scenario with the same approach yeah see unlike what jim was saying i do try to listen to uh, other interviews because really what I'm trying to figure out is if people are like overly formal or overly professional, you know, some people don't respond to joviality in, in situations that they consider professional. And this happens in all, all sorts of, uh, you know, career things. Like if you're at your meet meetings or you're, you're traveling for work and you're at dinner parties, you know, some people are all business all the time. And some people are never business, none of the time, and all of the deals get made, you know, while you're playing top golf or something. But um, so, yeah, I absolutely, I try to, I try to understand who it is I'm talking to and just approach it uh, from where I think that they would be comfortable. And I, you know, I'm not a very, I try not to be overly professional. Like I try to be, um, you know, more casual and I don't know if you want to say folksy or whatever, but I, I want to make a friend as much as I want to get in as, I, as much as I want to get the interview done. And I want to provide, I want to show my personality to, to the listeners because listeners are subscribing to my show. So, but I also want it to, I also want people to have a decent experience. So you're, you're absolutely right. So you'll notice if you listen to um, podcast creators, you know, I talked to my friend Josh, who does obscure history, much more, um, you know, friendly than like uh, Jack Resider, for instance, who is you know very serious about privacy and professionalism, etc. Podcasting Power Hour is part of Indie Drop In Network. If you are a podcaster looking to grow your listeners, check out. IndieDropIn.com. Indie Drop-In is always free, and we have opportunities right now for comedy, true crime, scary, and paranormal podcasts. Just go to IndieDropIn.com to learn more. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And you kind of damn microphone do you use, Greg? Okay, now we'll, we'll go to my good friend Ed. Then we will go to Mark with Digital Dissection. And he just, I think his podcast has gone kind of pivoted a little bit and they've done a crap ton of interviews over the last year. So we'll get to you, Mark, after Ed. Ed from Greatest Song Ever Sung Poorly. You want to chime in anything here? Actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just listening today, I think. Okay. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. This is the greatest Twitter space ever done poorly. Exactly. He usually has something to say. I was just giving him, a, you know, his moment, but we'll go ahead and give Mark his moment. Seriously, Mark, good pal, man. Good to see you. What do you got going on? Hey, uh, I was just listening at first and then decided I wanted to chime in because, you know, this, this topic is fairly close to a lot of the things that we've kind of learned from over the last year and a half, two years. And the, the thing I've heard people kind of focusing on at different points, I agree with a lot, especially when it comes to outlining a conversation, trying to figure out things that, you know, that you think you're, are good kicking off point. The thing that I spend a lot of time doing to kind of mirror what Neil said, I do actually listen to other interviews as well because we approach interviews a little bit differently where we're trying to figure out the questions that they're not being asked, kind of like what Jim mentioned too. And I put a good amount of effort into that, trying to figure out something that someone's not used to answering. And I kind of make it a personal goal to do that. And I can't tell you how many times I've had someone say, I don't get asked that question or that's never been asked before. If I'm not getting that response from somebody, I, I feel like I haven't done my job <laughs> as, as a, that's a, a great person. point, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's totally, uh, I mean, it's to the point now where whenever we interview someone, 
we're, we're waiting for that. Like we're, we're expecting one of the questions that we've kind of prepped uh, to, to get there. But to the point of a couple of their folks that have made this, we don't necessarily get to every question that we have kind of in our, our lineup either. And this doesn't just start during the conversation with the person. It's, it's part of our prep going into even asking them to be on the show. Like we're, we're sitting there uh, from the very beginning, mentioning to people that we're not looking to just interview you and have you, you know, have to uh, basically take a whole bunch of like throwing knives at the board kind of thing. So we want you to actually have a conversation, low stress environment. And that's part of the ask when we reach out. So it's, it's not just the, you know, when the mic is on, it's, it's that way from the beginning. And I think it really does change just the dynamic of what, you know, that person's expecting going in. So I just, yeah, I wanted to say that because I can't tell you how much I've learned from this over the last year and a half. And it really takes the, the nerves out of the situation too. When you start realizing you are just talking to another human, talking to another human, and it, it becomes much more natural. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really what I go with on like, let's say any podcaster, for example, but we'll get to you next, Matt. But on the flip side of that, when I'm doing this like local podcast or like the one I'm doing now, you really have to spend quite a bit of time knowing what the hell you're talking about too. You know what I mean? Like we want to talk to his about historical figures or events or places. You really have to put in the time on that stuff to make sure you're able to have the conversation. Totally. I completely agree with you, Jeff. Like it does change the dynamic of a conversation depending on what that, that, that subject matter is. And I think in doing interviews versus doing like original content, quote unquote, the original content, I think I spend more time making sure to nail the facts while interviews, I'm looking to nail the one thing that I hope they don't get asked about very often. And so it, it does almost feel like two different kinds of shows from that perspective. But, um, but yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed learning from it a lot. And I think a lot of people here have probably gone through something similar. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Matt, you've been waiting patiently. It's Matt from Jack and around Jack Ingram podcast. How you doing, Matt? Hey, how are y'all? Yeah. It was good, uh, good to see you again. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I would just hammer home what everybody said. I was my biggest compliment as a producer of two shows with country music artists um, was that we had Jack had Cat Osterman, and Cat is a Olympic softball player, won the gold medal and a bunch of silver medals. And at the end of the hour half interview, she said when she was leaving, she goes, "That was great, fantastic. We didn't talk about the Olympics. That's the first time ever." Well, we didn't talk about the Olympics, but for five minutes. So that was a big compliment. Um, but that's what I do as a producer for Jack and this other show that's coming out in a couple of weeks. I'll research exactly what they don't talk about. And then I'll send Jack a bullet point list of here's what they don't talk about. And then we'll hammer that home. And then generally they will go. They do their prep, how they do their prep. But um, that's what I try to hammer home. Most importantly... I also try to, because some of these artists will get so, start chasing rabbits and start talking in circles like I do. I'll have to put on a, on a screen because it's both in video. I'll have to sometimes pop up on the screen of trying to keep them on task because 
they don't, they're so deep in the conversation that they don't realize they're talking about things that maybe the average listener is not going to know about. So I'll have to pop something up on a screen to kind of get them to hammer home a point. So the average listener, um, can, uh, can engage with what they're visiting about. So anyways, but that y'all are totally right. It's visit regardless who the guest is try to visit with, um, what they don't, what they don't usually talk about and they'll respect you for it. That's the least in the world that I'm in, but no, that's fantastic. Uh, feedback from y'all if i can jump in on that point um there is a fine line between trying to seize on something that they don't get asked about a lot versus uh, trying to sound, sound like the smartest kid in the room um there there was uh, this uh, legendary tv interviewer in canada uh who who always had this knack of getting that one question in on every interview with every celebrity where the celebrity would sit back and go, how did you know that? Or how did you learn that about me? Blah, blah, blah. But he got to this stage later in his career, toward the end of his career, where uh, sometimes the, the thing that he they, they weren't asked about very often is because they weren't terribly interested in talking about it um, or, or they weren't interested in talking about it at all. Like if you if you consume enough of their back catalog of, of interviews that they've done or interviews that they've given to websites or whatever, you can usually stumble on one thing that you can tell hardly anybody asks, but boy, do they ever wish they could talk about it more. They w- you get a feeling for the thing that they wish they could talk about. Like in the Annie Wershing case that I was mentioning earlier, um, Annie Wershing, hardly anybody knew because it wasn't in the bio that went out when she did 24. Uh, she had a background in musical theater. And so when we were talking, I asked her, which is easier working big or working small meaning when you're working big you're on a stage and you have to make all of your facial gestures very big and very pronounced so the people in the back row of the theater can see your facial expressions except that when you're work on when you're on TV the camera zooms right in on you and if your eyebrow twitches everybody watching the show will see that and so i asked her the differences between working the actors called it working big versus working small. And it took us down this whole rabbit hole of her career in musical theater and the parts that she loved to play and, and experiences she had. In the- Nobody else was getting that stuff because everybody was focused on the Irish step dancing thing that was in her bio. Um, but I, I found some nuggets that were like, I bet she wishes she could talk about this thing over here more than she does. <laughs> Amen. You're a pro, aren't you, Neil? Gosh, boys, you nailed it. That's he fantastic. is. He yeah. is a pro. But you're right. Totally. totally. That's probably subconsciously. I'll look at hours of video as I'm traveling, finding something that, that these guests enjoy talking about, that, but they rarely talk about it. It's kind of like finding a diamond in the rough. But and and you got to yeah. find a natural way to get into those things, too. Uh, here, last thing, and I'm just going to shut up for the whole rest of the space. Um, I promise. Um Bob Costas. I don't know if anybody remembers the ill-fated TV late night talk show he had called Later. Bob Costas had as one of his first guests, Jerry Seinfeld. And Bob Costas is good if he's doing sports. Bob Costas is good if he's doing Olympic coverage. But Bob Costas had Jerry Seinfeld on and they're sitting in front of a cheesy fireplace in armchairs. And he looks over at Jerry and he says, 
I understand you've got some interesting observations about the grocery store. And I just, I shriveled up and died in my chair. It's like, it's the worst possible setup for, a, a you know, if you're interviewing a comic, like, is it possible to come up with a more terrible question than asking them about their observations on a subject? Come on, Bob, do better. So before we get into the second part of that question that I asked, Greg, do you want to go over this evening's sponsor here? We're, we're past the halfway point here. Who's, who's the sponsor? <laughs> There isn't one. That's the best part of that. Okay. All right. I was like, <clears throat> did I get a check in the mail? Cause I can't remember. No, it's all under the table stuff. I'm keeping. <laughs> oh, well that's good. So you better, uh, better earn your keep then there, Jeff. No, the second half of that question, we didn't, nobody touched up on a whole lot here. So I want to get back to it. How much should we be giving them ahead of time? Like what is a respectable amount? Um, in all of your opinion, because we touched up on like what we like to do a whole lot, but let's go back to the other end of what we think is right or wrong. If there even is such a thing there, Greg, you want to, you want to kick off that answer? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we all said it was personal preference, but if I were to set a best practice, I, you know, my, my advice would be to just send a little note over to the person and Tell like them with emojis what, in it, winky faces, or I mean, what, what are we talking? I mean, about? it depends who you're talking to, and I mean, know your audience. But uh, you know, with a little note saying, "Here's the things I'm hoping to get," you know, what are you hoping to get out of this interview? And I'll make sure to work it in. I think that if you, I always believe that a meeting of the minds ahead of ahead of any other meeting, like a prep meeting, a, an email correspondence, some sort of of agreement of what's going to take place, at least at least at the, at a high level, I think you're going to set yourself up to succeed. Even if you don't use any of that stuff, um, it'll at least get you started. I like that. I like that whole way of going about it of what you're trying to get out of it. Um, I think I might cover a lot of that in the original conversation about coming onto the podcast in the first place. You know what I mean? Like this is why we would do it this and that, but I like your point of, what you know that person's going to get out of it vice versa go ahead neil i saw you unmute yeah sorry i did it by accident um but uh you you hit it right on they know why they're coming on your show they know they know why you're going to interview them um at least i hope they do and so they should probably be ready to talk about whatever that is and be ready to field whatever question it is you're going to throw at them um if if like what Greg's saying makes absolute sense in terms of, you know, the communication back and forth before the interview, in case there's anything that they want to make sure gets covered that isn't, you know, blatantly obvious to you. Like, you know, you find out three quarters of the way through your interview uh, with Mark Hamill, for example, um, that he's got a book coming out. Well, nobody told you about the book. And so you didn't know to ask about the book uh, and he made a reference to it. And that's the first time you've heard of it. If you get those conversations done in advance, it's like, is there anything you want me to make sure I find a, a, a way to work in there? Then that's great. But to me, I, I'll go back to the very first thing I said um, in the space tonight was unless it's the president, they know why you're going to be on your show They're You're probably 
they're probably not expecting any gotcha questions if they're just um, on your podcast to talk about how how great you know in in your case, Jeff, how great things are in town or or whatever your attraction is that you've come on the show to talk about. So I don't know that you necessarily need to do anything questions wise, prep wise, other than put them at ease and make sure you know what their expectations are. Because the other side of that is if you give them a list of questions that you think you're going to get to and you start to veer off of that list of questions, what might happen is they might have prepped answers to those questions and and nothing else. And so when you veer away from the list of questions you sent them, they might have nothing to say because they didn't prep for that question. No, exactly correct. I know I've interviewed authors and stuff where you can just tell, like I said earlier, it becomes robotic almost. Their answer even, that the way they're saying it, everything, the delivery is just a repeat process, and you can tell that. And I think with my short time in radio, that was key because a lot of these people that are going and doing interviews, whether it be for, let's just say something they've got going on professionally then, they get they have so many interviews and they get asked the same thing. So, so to your point earlier, you got to change it up a little bit because some people are just so used to giving the exact same answers. Okay. Jim, you have anything to throw in on this before we kind of uh, kick off this? Little yeah, bit? I have one more tip for people out there, especially if they're interviewing somebody on that mid range or below, um, who doesn't talk a lot. We've talked about interviewing other podcasters like uh, Amazon authors, not to discount any of these people, but they get going fast sometimes. And so what my tip is, Ask them if they have any events um, or anything that I may not, I may have missed when I'm preparing for them or anything they want me to know precisely. Like, like I said, especially events, if they're doing a book signing or going to a paraconference or whatever it may be, October 17th at 9 p.m., they will not remember that when, somebody, when I ask them. It's good to have it handy, especially if they're promoting something very specific. Hmm. Okay. Greg, if you don't mind, I'm going to just kind of uh, ask, I guess, another question, unless you had something you wanted to ask. No, I have a, I, I have a tactical question about, about guests on podcasts, but, I'll, but you go first. I'll go second. No, I, I think my question is, so once you are about, and you're in the moments leading up to this conversation, I, like, I, I hate interview, actually. I go with conversation. That's just my approach. But leading up to that time when you're about to hit the record button, what are some things that you say to the people that, you're talking to to ease them. I know that I'll say, Hey, this is, this is going to be really chill and laid back. And there's several people in here that have talked to me before in this setting and hey, nothing to worry about. I try to joke kind of ease. I don't, even if there is not any tension, but just the ten, the tension of having an interview in the first place, I try to just quickly ease that before I go into the conversation. Greg, I'll let you go ahead and comment first on my kind of question. What are some things you guys do? Yeah. See, that's really tricky because, um, I, I do that too. I have like a 10 minute prep pre conversation, like icebreaker, but I find that I regret it honestly, because some of that stuff that we talk about in the 10 minutes is my favorite stuff. And, you know, when we're getting to know each other and, you know, oh, this is going to be really chill and, you know, Hey, did you make it? You know, did you, how did you find the zoom or whatever? Oh, the effing zoom. You know, I had to download the thing. And to the point where I've just 
said, hey, I'm going to hit record now because there might be some goodness in our prep. And if it sucks, I'll cut it. Don't worry. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then they immediately forget we're recording and the interview's over. So um, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm, a, I'm torn because it just depends on, on, like I said, the professionalism of who you're talking to. Some people really like the green room chit chat and then the, okay, we're going on and their personality completely changes. It goes from normal person to professional athlete or whatever. And you're just like, Hey, where, where did, you know, Susan go? Like she was cool. You're like a crazy lunatic. And, uh, so I, I don't know. I, the, the, the way it's done is the icebreaker. You know, that's the whole reason you have like the green room and the prep and the people, the producers coming in going five minutes, five minutes, you know, whatever. But, uh, I hit record immediately when we, when we get on zoom or whatever, I'm like, Hey, I'm hitting record. They're like, cool. I always, I tell Jack and Brad both. Our goal is when the guest walks in, like, and I tell the guests this, when you walk in that room, like, there's no, like, cause I want to get all the gripping and grinning. How are you doing on tape? So I immediately get them to sit down and start recording. Um, and that's the goals because you're right. You nailed it. I bet you it's so frustrating because after the conversation they'll have, the artist will have, hour and a half later, they'll stop, they'll go outside and they'll shoot the shit for 45 minutes. I'm sitting there going, why in the hell? This is brilliant stuff y'all just talked about. Like, but you know, but whatever. Point is, they get they walk in the room, the studio, and they start. And I tell the guest, like, let's go. There's say all the how you doings are going to be on camera and on tape. But uh, but the one big question I ask the guest, I always ask, and really the only question, what are what is off limits? What do you not? Jack will not talk about anything that has to do with. His wife, just off limits. What I, now? I said, what do you think off limits? And nine times out of ten, they won't give me anything. But anyways, that's kind of my that's what kind of how I feed them. Mm, that's an interesting point you bring up there, Matt. With the anything you don't want to talk about, because I know I've uh, an example would be I talked to Sarah Attorney, right, and her sister was murdered by their father. And that was like a weird one going into, right? So I asked in the beginning, like, what are you comfortable with? And she immediately cut me off. She's like, everything's fine. You know, I'm open to anything. It's like, oh, okay. But I had to ask because it just, the respect factor was there, right? I mean, it's a terrible, tragic situation, or it may be a different kind of situation. It may not be as sad and tragic, but just as, me- you know, just as meaningful to them. So I'm glad you brought that up. Now, I also tell the guests, too with Jack's show, I'm like, look, Jack might say something stupid and try to be in it. I will, I edit all of this. So if at any time during the taping, Jack starts chasing a rabbit, you don't want to chase, just say something. And then I'll creatively edit it. Now I've had this happen before where I've taped two full blown episodes and the guest told me they didn't want me to air them. And there were in those episodes were brilliant fantastic but for whatever reason the guests didn't they, they went down to some deep personal conversations i guess they woke up a few days later and said i don't want to air and so moving forward what i did was said look i'll edit out a few minutes of anything you want you want to be edited out 
but this episode's gonna come out in two weeks. But yeah, I've done two episodes that were freaking brilliant and can't do anything with them. So I kind of had to change my approach afterwards by saying I will edit out a few minutes, but the episode will be coming out on July 5th or whatever. I just had to take one down. It's been up for six months. Really? Yeah. And they reached out to me and said, I, I, I can't have it. I can't have it out there anymore. And I'm just like, no problem. Oh, you know, wow. I mean, I have, I have, I have bigger fires to fight than a single podcast what was the episode. Context? What was the context? It's a, it just that, uh, it, it was a true crime. It was again, like Jeff, it was a true crime episode. And they said that they just, there's, there's just too much publicity and it's, you know, like ruining their lives. And, and, uh, I went, Hey, I'm happy to help delete, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Not worth it. Wow. Jim, go ahead. I was going to say, I've had a guest reach out to me and just say, can you change the name, my name on the podcast to my pen name that I'm using now? You don't have to change any of the audio. She was applying for a job. She didn't want it coming up when uh, her employer searched her. Done. Easy enough for me to do. So it does happen. It's weird out there sometimes. And back to Greg's point about pre-shows, I try to limit it as much as possible because I hate what Greg was saying, you have a great conversation. You bring, he brings the guest, Greg brings something up to me during the pre-show and I reference it back during the show and nobody has a clue what, I'm, what we're talking about except the two of us. And that is the absolute worst. Absolutely. All right, Greg, before we finish up here, I know you had a question you wanted to throw out here. Yeah. While, while, you know, while we have so many uh, interview experts, I just kind of wanted to get a tactical que- uh, you know, question answered if you're having a, a guest on your podcast to say, to talk about something you are an expert in, but they are not, they are not. So like this happens a lot in podcasts about podcasting or like uh, superhero shows or whatever, where they'll have another podcaster on who is maybe an enthusiast for Spider-Man, but it's the Spider-Man podcast, right? How do you go about creating the right story because the guests are going to be less uh, informed about the topic than the hosts. And, and I get invited to all sorts of podcasts and I don't go for this very reason because it, it just doesn't seem like, like, like a good show to me. So I would love people's advice on that. I mean, I'll, I'll jump in uh, to start with. I mean, I, I, my thing about booking guests has always been, am I going to learn something from them? Um, and if the answer to that isn't yes, then why am I booking them in the first place? Um, so it's, it's, that's an interesting scenario. I've never, I've never run into that one. Um, I, I probably should listen to seek out somewhere they would do something like that but i can't imagine booking a guest who would come on to talk about a topic when i know more about that topic than they do because then all it becomes is there's so many different ways that that could just sound like the host showing off and i feel like that's just a, a recipe for disaster but uh oof, yeah I, I i wish i had more on that one but i don't yeah, I think it's such a weird thing that happens in the podcast industry because everybody says, you know, get on other people's shows. 
well, you know, if you have me on a paranormal show, what I can talk about is other paranormal podcasts. I can't talk about, I don't know anything about the paranormal. I just know about promoting paranormal oh, you, you shows. You could totally fake it, Jeff. Or Jeff, I'm looking at Jeff's little picture. Greg, you could totally fake it and fool a bunch of paranormal people into thinking that you've been out ghost hunting for years. Oh, that's the point. Sorry. That, well, see, you, yeah, if you, if you asked me on your show, Jim, and you just told me to just create a persona, that's a totally different thing. That's a, now that's a bit totally different. Oh, old Greg, he wants you to create old Greg. Now we got another Matt that jumped up here. Uh, my pal Matt he has a couple different podcasts. What's up, Matt? Hey, Jeff. How's everybody doing tonight? Um, I actually yeah. want to piggyback off of this conversation that we're having about, you know, being more knowledgeable about the topic than, say, your guests. A couple of weeks ago, actually, maybe a month or two now, um, I had a situation on one of my podcasts, 69 Whiskey, where we were actually interviewing people from the other podcast I co-host because I thought it would be a good show to be a part of. And uh, I thought like, the conversation would be great and all that stuff. And then like halfway through, my co-host for Whiskey, Eric, he kind of starts going into the usual shtick of like what we talk about, which is, you know, kink, BDSM related subjects, something that my guests from Bromigos who were with us were not very fond of. And actually, I got a text halfway through in our group chat like, yo, this is making me super uncomfortable. And I'm just, I, I, to be honest with you, like that is probably one of the few instances where I felt like mortified because like here I am thinking that we were going to have like a casual kind of bro talk kind of conversation, maybe talk about like what we do on our show, on the other show, so to speak. And my co-host kind of just completely did not read the room at all and kind of just went into the shtick that, you know, we normally do, but it kind of bothered me that he didn't really realize that that was something that they weren't too adept in knowing about. And I got a lot of feedback from my friends, Mike and Dante from Bromigos after the fact and said, yo, that was really fucking uncomfortable. And I apologized profusely because I said to them, that was not how I envisioned that going at all. Yeah. Yeah. This is the podcast podcasters on other shows because they've been told that that's how you promote your show. I mean, that's the, I mean, I've been told that countless times, Greg, it's the, it's the kiss of death because just like Neil said, I mean, everybody has to bring something to the table, right? Like that's the only time it works. And, um, you know, if I host a Spider-Man podcast chance, there's not going to be a lot of people out there who are casual Spider-Man fans that are going to be able to bring something new to the table. So you have to be really creative on why those people are on the show. Maybe they're talking about their collection or they're talking about how it impacted their life or, you know, like it can't be about Spider-Man. It has to be adjacent to Spider-Man or something, right? You have to pull a story out of it somehow. And um, that's the only, that's the only way I can think to do it. And that's why I decline most of these interviews. Cause I'm just like, I, I, you know, tell me what, what you want to talk about because I don't know anything about, uh, home stereos from the seventies. Like your podcast is dope, but you know, not for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah Greg, exactly. Greg, you reminded and me why I haven't done an interview in a few years. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you did. They're just all going in your junk mail, huh? I have. I seriously haven't got an interview request in probably over a year. We've talked about it so off and on, Jim. I know, but 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 you don't count, Jeff. You know what I'm talking about. Straight up from some random person. Yeah. I don't. I don't mean to speak over anybody. If somebody's about to talk, but yeah, I, I think for me. To answer Greg's question, I, I try very hard to avoid that sort of awkward situation. And I'll give you an example, right? With any podcaster, that pod, my podcast there, I'll get submissions all the time for other podcasters or content creators. And I say content loosely, right? Because I'm talking people that write books or have websites. And I really have to make sure it's something that I could tie in for it to be a valuable learning experience to the people listening to my podcast. And I take that into mind. And, you know, picking out how I could center an episode around it or, like I just said, could my could the audience benefit from it? So those are things I really think about ahead of time, big time. There's also no requirement that that guest be the entire focus of the entire show. You know, if you found somebody, for example, for your Spider-Man podcast and they have a really cool collection, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your interview guest only making up the first four minutes of your 45 minute show. And then the other 41 is back to something else that's interesting. That now, see, Neil, I knew you'd come up with something. He's right. Absolutely right. That's a great idea. Yep. And And that leads to, though, if that's like. Sometimes like Jim Mallard, for example, but his entire podcast is based on the interview. So I think that would be him going way off the rails, doing something that he never does. Well, you could, you could do, you you know, you could center the show, the episode around collectors yeah, and just, you know, record four or five yeah, and talk about that. Yeah. Back in the day, I used to do that kind of approach where I'd get four people we have it's a live show now, Jim. Four people in an hour, but because uh, all the technical ends at the back end. But I'd bring four four different authors on. Hey, come on, promote that book, or give me give me that book, and we'll talk for a few minutes, and then you got to be going. So keep it tight. You got to be ready. But most of the time, it worked out really well. If you think about these uh, like small market radio stations, like they have tons of those type of shows Until where people have- just call in, yeah, and ask a question, and the expert just goes after it. I mean, and before you know it, you've been listening to the thing in your garage for like three hours. Or even just like the news in the morning, whether it be the radio, like, okay, either it be local radio or the news, right? You watch a segment or listen to a segment. It's in and out what you needed. You get what you need from it and that's it. Yeah, there's no, there's, there's nothing wrong with starting off your show with somebody that's really cool or interesting and then shifting gears into something else that your audience is always going to also going to find interesting. I think a lot of us tend to look at, okay, I've got a, I've got a podcast episode coming up for December the 4th. Who am I going to get for December the 4th? I know I'll get Jim uh, and Jim's going to come on and talk about the paranormal. Uh, and that's the whole episode. Well, no, maybe Jim only needs to be the first 10 minutes. And then I got something else for the rest of the show. Absolutely. No, great. Yeah, that's, that's no, I was just saying that's a perfect amount of Jim. Yep. Absolutely. Can't disagree with that. Okay, Greg, you want to take us home here, old friend? Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for everybody for listening and coming to Podcasting Power Hour. As always, you can listen to this episode in a replay format 
on podcastingpowerhour.com. Yes, the Twitter space turns into a podcast. It happens with magic. It doesn't take any work at all. It edits itself. AI writes the copy. There are no humans involved in this. It just happens. And somehow Ed, he's not in here right now, but the, the 80s movie podcast guy, Ed, Havens, all his stuff gets cut out automatically. We don't really know how that happens. No, it's the AI. I just told the AI, make the show good. And it basically kept all the silences and the ums and everything. Just cuts out Ed. <laughs> Damn. Like that. I'll yeah. have, to keep, we'll have to save this clip for him. Exactly. No, okay, I'll finish it up. That's podcastingpowerhour.com, and it's available on, well, hell, Greg, I'm going to say everywhere you can find a podcast. Some yeah. might probably be wrong, but... Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't put it on Spotify because that's just old crap. I mean, I don't want to. I'm all about. I'm lying. It's on Spotify. That's where we get all the listens. Hmm, interesting. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We'll be back next Monday and it, every it, it, Monday. It's on the, the Stitcher. It's on the Stitcher. It's, it's on, on the, the Stitcher, Stitcher Jim. Now, if you if you speaking of old apps, Jesus, it's. You go with Jim's podcast, you might get on there uh, two two months after you do a live interview. Anyway, nevertheless. Yeah, yeah. it's been a long summer, Jeff. Uh, I listen to Jim's podcast on broad, broadcast.fm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cast. Every Monday, back. 9 p.m. Eastern. Jim Mallard, shut the hell up. We're taking this one home. Every Monday, 9 p.m. Eastern, Podcasting Power Hour. Thanks for listening, and thanks for telling a friend. Thank you for listening to the Podcasting Power Hour. Everyone is free to participate on Twitter Spaces every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. To join, just follow Jeff at podcast underscore father or Greg at Indie Dropin. If you found this podcast helpful, go into your podcast app and write a quick review. Other podcasters will see it and know this show is worth listening to. Also, I'll put a few links in the show notes for ways you can support the show. I think by now you know we love our coffee. Have a great week. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Jim, go ahead.
people are telling their friends not to come. Where, where did everyone go? I don't know. It's been a small, yeah, it's been the smallest one ever, probably. That's my I mean, two weeks ago or something, we had 163 people in here. Yeah, no. So now we have see what happens when you let me talk unfettered. No, no, Neil was great. Uh, yeah. It was really, it was really good. I, uh, it's probably me being an asshole. It's not you, man. No, no, no. I, I honestly didn't know that this would, you know, that we would have enough to talk about this for an hour. So I had two or three other topics kind of penciled out, but, uh, but I think it's good. It was a good conversation. Yeah. Interacting with guests is hard. Yep. And I mean, you'd be surprised at just how many people actually get it wrong. That's the thing, like oh. between having guests and the interview process, because to me, and I, I was going to say this before we get, before you guys had ended, but I mean, for me, the best pod, at least the best interviews, quote unquote, are the ones that feel more like a conversation, you know, because I listen to a bunch of like morning radio shows. Um, for instance, I live in New Jersey. So one of them I listen to is Preston and Steve. And when they have guests on, it's like, you know, it's like, especially if they've been on the show a couple of times it's like an old friend coming onto the show and they kind of just catch up. Obviously they talk about like why the person's there and you know, other things, but it just feels like a, a conversation between friends that haven't spoken to each other in a while, you know, it, it's an art because podcasters try this all the time. And I find myself going, who is this person? Like, why are they here? Like what is happening? So, it's really a skill that you have to develop because you're really having the conversation for the audience. And that's different than having like a dinner conversation with a friend. That's something that I wish more people would be conscious of too, because, um, you know, like not only the audience's time and not wasting their time, but also like your, your guest also, you, you know, has, has stuff to do. So I, I was listening to an episode of somebody's podcast a couple of weeks ago and they go to all kinds of lengths while like you can hear that the guest is there because you can hear the artifacts from Riverside that have still crept into their, their audio channel. And so you can still hear that they're there and, and they say hi to them. And then the, the guest says hi back. And then they do the intro. And they start reading their bio and their credits and all this. And the book is called this and the website's called this and all the calls to action, blah, blah, blah. And then they go to introduce, to actually say more than hi to the guest. And the guest corrects them because something in the bio was wrong. And I'm just like, okay, one, why did you, why didn't that get edited out? Two, why did you waste the guest's time by making them sit there listening to someone read them their bio? Like, 800 ways that could have been avoided and be done smoother. Like, you know, if, if I've got Lou Graham from foreigner sitting in front of me in a chair, I don't need to tell Lou that he had 14 number one songs on the, on the pot, like stop, get to the, get to the good stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it, it's amazing to me when I hear it done well, how they get to the main points but I don't really feel like it's scripted, right? Like it, it, it's easy for me to want to introduce a guest, you know, hi, you know, you know, Jeff Townsend, you know, host of indie podcaster, you know, superstar of MySpace because, you know, you'd run around with a shirt off, you know, all, all this, you know, whatever made Jeff famous originally. And then, but 
that's the wrong approach. And getting to that stuff in the conversation is the right approach. But man, it's so hard. It can even just be setting it up in, in the intro to the show. Like the, the podcast I was talking about before, the, the sleep podcast that I used to do. Um, everything about the, the, the guest's bio and whatever information you needed to know in order to kind of set it up that, hey, this person's interesting and they're going to be worth listening to. I take care of that when it's just me doing the intro. The show. Hey, in a second, we're going to get to our conversation with, uh, you know, Dr. Fred Smith from uh, Yale University. He's going to be talking about this great new thing, blah, 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 blah. And then we cut to my first question for them. Now, I had a, a setup first question that every guest that was ever on the show, they all got the same first question. So that was kind of fun because I just, that was an easy edit point. Cause then I get to cut to the point in the conversation where I went, okay, Bob, you get the same first question that everybody that's ever been on the show gets. And here it is. And we're off to the races. So I don't need to keep any of the stuff that happened before that moment. And all of the setup of who the guest is and why they're there. I already took care of that before the guest was even on the show. You know, I do the same thing with Jack and Brad. I'll, as the producer, I will actually intro, which I've never, everybody has advised me against. And what I've done is I, I take the first 30 seconds, intro the show, and then I'll intro the guest, the bullet points of the guest, five-time Grammy award-winning, four-time songwriter of the year, Jeffrey Steele. There are, you know, 12 number one hits he's written. Because, again, my goal is for when Brad or Jack walks into the studio and says hello to the guests for them to – it's a conversation, right? So you sit down, and they start shooting the shit, ask how the wife's doing, ask how the kids are doing, ask how music's doing. But the last thing I've told Brad and Jack is – and they don't want to intro the guest. So I'll do that in the first 30 seconds, and then I'll pitch it to Jack or Brad um, because I use it, the analogy of you, the opening, the, the headlining band doesn't introduce the opening band. So let me introduce or let someone enter other than you to introduce the guest. So again, I'll take that 30 seconds intro of the show, quickly go through the bullet points of the guest, and then I'll quote unquote toss it to Jack or Brad, and then they'll just ride into the conversation. See, the example for the setup that I always use as far as the pacing was concerned and the way I always think about it. Uh, whether it's Johnny Carson, Jimmy Kimmel, David Letterman, all of them, they all do it exactly the same way and they do it exactly the same way for a reason. My guest tonight has this credit, this credit, this credit, and this credit. Please welcome so-and-so. And then after you've already been told what the credits are and what it is that's going to make them interesting, then the person comes out from behind the curtain and they come and sit down. Not before. Don't have them sit there listening to their credits while they're sitting in the room with you. It's just that it's, it's, first of all, if I was the guest, I don't want to hear, ew, that's creepy oh, to me. Exactly. I totally agree. It's, it's just like you're bragging about them in front of them. You can do that for me when I'm on the show. I want to <laughs> hear it. Add a voice for everybody, right? That, that's right. I want to, I want to hear the back smacking. Wait, wait, no, don't put that in. Yeah. Tell me more about me. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, I have done all that great stuff. Yes. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Craig Thompson, the creator of one last thing. I'm sorry to bust in here, but you know what I'll do is I'll do and this has been a I've been racking my brain about this for years. 
I'll intro the guest. I'll intro the show, intro the guest in the first 30 to 45 seconds. Tag the sponsor. Then I'll toss it into a one-minute preview. So I'll take the hour and a half conversation, and I'll take, you know, obviously little snippets. I'll put it into a one-minute preview, and then I'll go into the episode. Because I want to give the listener an idea of what's coming up. So I'll, I'll take the first 30, 45 seconds, intro the show, intro the guest, toss it to a one-minute preview, you know, coming up and, I mean, you know, this do a one-minute preview, and then it'll go right into the episode. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's the way I've done it. If anybody have any suggestions to do it otherwise, I'm always racking my brains about how I can do it better. I don't think there is a right or wrong. I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to do it. I think it's like, you know, when we were having sort of the the genesis of this conversation on Twitter this afternoon, it's like, you know what, everybody can do it whatever way they want to do it. The, The moment that you know it's time to change is when somebody complains about it. Uh, because I don't know that the way you set up your interview is going to either attract or cost listeners unless it becomes sort of onerous and boring. Um, but if you're doing an intro that's only 30 seconds long and it's it's telling me about who the guest is and why they're on the show, okay, well, the guest and why they're on the show is half of why I'm there. Sure, I'm there for Jack, um, but, but I'm also there to hear the guests. So I don't mind listening to you spend 30 seconds setting them up. I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think there it's, is a right. That's just funny. I try to get in and out as quick as I can because I don't want anybody to say, God, that dude will never shut the hell up. You know? So I get in yeah. and out as quick as I can pitch it to the one minute preview. Um, and then it goes straight into the, um, straight into the episode. You know what's funny about that, Neil, is you're you're right about, you know, they're there for Jack, but they're also there for the guest. When I listen to Joe Rogan, it's specific guest episodes, and that's it. Like, I don't listen to every single episode just because I'm not into all those people, right? Like, I don't care about MMA. I don't, whatever, whoever all he talks to, I, I just don't care about. But, like, when he had Zuckerberg on, or, like, when he has Musk on, or when he has, like, space scientist weirdos on like like that is super cool and so how do you know and here's a good how do you know what guess if if brogan releases an episode tomorrow yeah and his name is john smith yeah how do you know what john i'm asking this for a selfish reason yeah how do you know what john smith is who do you know how do you know who john smith is it says in the it says so it says it in the description and um also, Rogan puts his MMA stuff, like he tags them MMA, so I know to avoid them. <laughs> okay, got it. Cool. So, yeah, that's what like I, I like. It, like, if I were interviewing people for 100% of the job and I had niches, like, even, like I said, even Rogan has a niche, he interviews MMA people, um, I would absolutely highlight that niche in the title. And then, um, you know, I would I would put indicators in the title of of the the type of shows they are. So like if it's a like a musician or you know a, whatever, like I would I would find a way to uh, to stick it in the title because podcast apps are funny, and you might not see everything in every app. Gotcha. Yeah, one since there's eight people here, I'm going to ask this question because I feel like I have the balls to ask. So Rogan's studio is within like five minutes of Jack's studio house. And 
no, Ingram's real close to McConaughey, and Rogan's had McConaughey on the show. Um, how how does that all work with his show? With his with 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 that show, y'all y'all have a ton more experience than I do in this world. But when it comes to the Rogan world, how does that work with him with guests and these random guests that he has? Does he have producers that are actively looking for folks, or is it just whoever he wants to? his producers to call for that day to come in the following week. Uh, from what I understand, and I've only heard this and I, and I don't have any definite information, but I follow someone that was very heavily interested or Rogan was very heavily interested in, go, in him going on the show. But I think the way it works for his podcast in particular is that you have to be invited. You basically have to be invited to even get on the show. And I guess depending on if the team reaches out to them or not, I, I guess, like you said, it depends, but you, it's definitely like a very uh, exclusive invite that you have to get for that sort of deal because otherwise people I know of probably would have been interviewed already by him. It's kind of like the, to be a member at Augusta National, the Masters, the, you don't get invited. And if you have to ask to be invited, you're probably never going to be invited. They come to you and invite you to be a member. Sounds, sounds yeah. like the same world. You should uh, you should see if you can shoot a DM over to Adam Curry and ask him. He he might be able to tell you. He might even be able to give you a referral because he's been on Rogan, I don't know, two or three times. Adam Curry. Yeah, he's the, the pod father. Okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, because Jack's not going to ask. He's just not going to, but he's a one phone call away from him. And, and I respect that with Jack. I mean, he doesn't like to ask because he just doesn't like to. You so. got to, you got to think about it though. Like it's the same thing we were just talking about. Like has to have, you have to have some, something to kind of bring to the table. And I think Rogan has Curry on, like if you ever listen to those shows, which I suggest, I would highly recommend listening to Adam Curry's Rogan interviews because, um, you know, he talks about podcasting in the industry. And I think that that's just something that, you know, Rogan likes to stay, you know, caught up on. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have any idea how it works. I imagine it's, it's a referrals and, and, uh, producers doing the work and picking out guests that will, you know, will play to, Joe's audience and people he is interested in talking to. Cause it sounds to me like most of these folks is just Joe's ego getting stroked, right? Like he's, it's everybody yeah, right. he wants to talk to. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's like his, it's, I bet you his producers are like, who does, who does Rogan want to talk to? I mean, he could be the homeless guy on the street. If he, if Rogan enjoys it, great guest for him. Cause it's not like he's looking for new listeners you know, per se, but that's just my two cents. Can I yeah, just throw this Joe thing for a second? How long is this deal with Spotify? I thought it was another two years. It's, I think it's it, only one down, two to was go. Gonna, wasn't it five years? I thought it was five. No, I don't. honestly don't know. I'm just going by my memory, but now that you're questioning it, I'm backing off completely. No, like I, I could have sworn it was like somewhere upwards of like three to five years. I just don't I think it's know the years. exact numbers. I think it's still kind of not officially disclosed, but it's all rumored. Like the deal was like really like two hundred million dollars, not a hundred million. I thought it was like five years. 
is he really even getting, is he really even benefiting from it at all though? Like I know he's got the money, but like, is his like is is his show like actually benefiting from like the exclusivity of it all? Is there anything to prove that? I don't think Spotify. My guess is I don't think I think that they if they could do it over again they probably wouldn't have. But that's just a complete ignorant guess. I mean, considering that workers within the company have been trying to cancel the fucking guy, and even though <laughs> no. didn't they didn't they try to. Oh yeah, all the didn't time. they didn't they have didn't they delete a certain amount of episodes because of whatever reasons? Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a top three podcast every single day. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're right. So, that, Jeff. so Forbes, so it's through uh, it's through 2023. So he's got a year, a year and so and change left. And Forbes reports that um, contrary to what the New York Times initially reported they say it was an upwards of 200 million not not 100 million like the new york times like it's the very first it's the very first paragraph because like contrary to what the new york times reported spotify paid joe rogan at least 200 million dollars and i would hurt the big the million dollar question is he's gonna he's gonna the 200 million dollar question is they're at, they know now if they're going to renew or not. I mean, they're obviously going to keep it under, but at this point in the game, you're either actively negotiating for to extend your deal or you're actively saying, I don't want to renew it. And they're going to do, then he'll do his own thing. I mean, but then again, like I just said, he's still one of the most listened to podcasts every single day. Yep. Uh, and so it hasn't I, changed. Yep. What, no matter what he said, nothing's changed. <laughs> no matter what stories have come out, that hasn't changed. Imagine how much money a TV network would pay for a show that they know is going to be a most top three watched television show. It would be way beyond anything we're talking about now. Yeah, I, I would bet. I would bet that uh, if Netflix or YouTube, you know, wanted to make it exclusive, he's going to get triple that. Or more. I can see YouTube doing it because, as far as I know, um, I don't know if his episodes are still being posted to YouTube. And I know a whole draw of him is like the video portion of his podcast because you yeah. actually see like everything going on in the studio. You see the guests he's talking to. Like I would say his show is probably one of the blueprints for pro- to how to do a video pro- podcast properly. If he wasn't – if it wasn't for Joe Rogan, I wouldn't be doing this today because that's how I've gotten to listening to podcasts. And that's, what, that's how I came up with the, at least the studio look for Jack and Brad both. I mean, that's, he's, you know. he's been grinding it out for a long time, man. It's not like he's yeah. new. Oh, God, you should see the, the episodes 10 years ago. I don't know if you've ever pulled up the episodes from like 2010. It's like a webcam. Yep. It's funny. Yeah, but I, that wasn't my intention to, 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 you know, turn the conversation to Joe Rogan. But as far as interviews go, I don't know how he does it. I mean – Every time I listen to him, I just think either he's prepped extensively or he just just that good at it. I don't know. I mean, he, you know, he falls over sometimes, but just not very often. I, I feel like once he gets like stupid high, as he's typically known to do, it kind of just devolves. And I don't really necessarily know if I mean that in a negative connotation. It kind of just devolves into like a casual BSing conversation 
Like, hey, did you see? Like, uh, what, what was the one thing? Uh, the, the the epic clip of him like talking. I don't know if it was Elon Musk or he was. They were talking about like, some sort of philosophical uh, subject, and all of a sudden, it's like, did you hear? Did you hear about the guy that got run over by a moose or something? <laughs> it was something along those lines. I gotta jump off here, guys. Yeah, me too. I gotta bring in my plants. It's gonna frost tonight. Yep, yep. It's gonna snow Thanks, here. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for doing this. I know it was, it was a fun time. All right, everybody. Yeah. See you, team. Take care, guys. All right, bye bye. <laughs>